You're listening to the Man Chat Podcast, a show with two men talking about recent events and the effect they could have on men's mental health. This is Sean and Huggy, your hosts. Welcome to the Man Chat Podcast. We are again today joined by our special guest interview to share more knowledge um, with you and we can get a bit more professional than just Huggy and I rabbiting away as normal. Um, Huggy, you're here as always, aren't you? Yeah, I'm here somewhere. Yeah, thank you. He's here somewhere. Um, and we are joined by Thomas. Welcome, Thomas. Yeah, nice to meet you, boys. Yep. And uh, he's going to be telling us more on. about himself and, uh, yeah, hopefully educating us and yourselves with some with some proper knowledge, um, some proper expert advice in here. Um, but before we kick off, Tom, just for the, just for the listeners, um, do you want to just give us a little bit of background on yourself and, and do an introduction for everyone? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm the founder of a men's mental health uh, company called Blokes, um, which was founded in, in June last year. I suppose a bit of background about me. I, so I was, I was diagnosed with um, anxiety, depression and post-traumatic stress disorder um, in November 2016. Um, I'd just started my second year at university. And looking back, I think a big trigger for me was um, being dropped from the university rugby team. Um, I got really complacent over the summer. I didn't train very hard. I, I didn't think I needed to work particularly hard to get my spot back. I was just a bit, just a bit arrogant, really. Which you know, obviously, you know, it's that classic thing: if you if you fail to prepare, prepare to fail, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I got dropped, and I think with with kind of with getting dropped, and with most of my first year friendships being based around playing rugby you know, going out on a Wednesday night and, you know, being very much part of that university rugby environment. I felt quite, well, obviously I kind of had all these feelings of embarrassment, guilt, felt quite ashamed and and almost felt like I couldn't really be, you know, I could no longer be seen to hanging out with, with, with the lads that I'd become quite friendly with in first year. And I think that's, that's when I began to isolate myself quite a lot. I, um, I wasn't really leaving the house other than to go to, to lectures and, uh, I was when I was in the house I would very rarely leave my room and literally just spend hours upon hours just with my own thoughts in my in, in my head and it, it got to a point where I tried to I tried to kill myself um and it was only when I really hit that rock bottom you know feeling of, of not wanting to be here anymore that I actually I reached out to my parents I remember going home for a reading week and I said, look, and I didn't have a good understanding of mental health at the time. And I said, look, something's going on and I need to talk, but I don't feel comfortable to talk to you. I said that to my Mm -hmm. parents and, you know, went to went to the GP and was was prescribed antidepressants and was referred for all this therapy and counselling and mindfulness and all these different kind of services and techniques. And um, I think because I'd gone in the space of like two weeks from being undiagnosed with any mental health problems to then being diagnosed to what I thought were completely life-changing um, mental health problems and you know being given antidepressants and referred for all this therapy and counseling it was yeah. so over it was so overwhelming and it all happened so quickly that I didn't I, I didn't engage with um, I didn't engage with the therapy I didn't engage with the counseling I expected my problems to be fixed after a week of taking antidepressants which obviously as we know, isn't the case. Um, and yeah, I think I think the, the thing that I really found that made a huge difference to me was just normalising conversations about my, how, I was, how I was feeling and, and what I was thinking and what was on my mind with 
with friends and family and, and you know, housemates and whoever else and, and, you know, not being embarrassed or ashamed to, to admit that I was struggling and I wasn't very well and that I needed some extra support. Um, and, you know, that kind of, um, I suppose that kind of eye-opening experience that the power of talking is really kind of what spurred me on to want to do something around men's mental health and, I graduated in June 2018 and I think just between trying to get a bit of money in my pocket, get a job and get on the property ladder, I think my my aspirations to do something around men's mental health took a bit of a backseat. And then obviously COVID hit last year and we all had this extra time in the week on the weekends and in the evenings and, and you know we didn't really have much else to do other than try and <laughs> occupy occupy ourselves. So yeah, yeah, that's kind of when Blokes was born. It was kind of born out of I don't want to say it was it was born out of sitting around having nothing else to do because as, as I say I, I wanted to do something for a long time but I think you know having all this spare time gave me the, the headspace to actually sit down and, and, and yeah and start it yeah no, that's, a, that's great ahead of a story and I think many of us I think hugging myself right we've started this during a, a lockdown I think there's, there's many side projects that have finally been able to come to fruition isn't there like you say you're stuck indoors all day yes. there's not really much that you can do throughout the evenings um, so that, that's quite a, a story. So how long ago were you at uni in your second year then? Yeah, so I started my second year in September 2016. So sort of obviously coming up to like five years ago. Um, yeah. So, yeah, sort of, I've, I, as I say, I've, although I've kind of been diagnosed with, with these three mental health problems for five years, like I don't doubt I've suffered from mental problems for years before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of, during... Um, mental health awareness week I, I kind of put out a video on my own social media channels and, and on the blokes social media channels kind of talking about when I was 18 at school and and trying to take my own life for the first time and literally at, at, at the time when that happened I, I don't know it, it kind of felt like I, I was in a bit of like autopilot it kind of felt like I was just I was just doing it and then when I when I failed when it didn't when, when I was unsuccessful I remember just being like oh well and then I just kind of went off to my next lesson or to go and play sport or whatever it was and it was almost like honestly it was it was literally like like I don't know like literally like the small in my head it was yeah. the smallest thing but it was obviously yeah. massive and I think at the time I just didn't think it was a big deal at all um mm-hmm. I had such like a like a um a blase attitude to being alive like I was like well it's cool to be alive but I, I would I wouldn't really mind if I died um okay. which was quite I know it's quite I know it sounds quite intense but it, I can't it's hard to describe the feeling because it was almost this feeling of kind of being in limbo like not really mm-hmm. being bothered either way which obviously as you know as I know now and as most people would know if I said that to them at the time that's not a normal healthy headspace to be in but mm. at the time at the t- yeah at the time I just had this yeah I kind of felt like I was a bit of a crossroads in my life I felt like um you know all my mates were going off to uni and you know and, and school was coming to an end and I didn't know what I was doing I was meant to be going on a gap year to Australia but then I thought yeah but what happens if I come back and all my mates have you know moved on forgot about me and you know I, you know I'm a year behind them at uni so I'm going to be a year behind them when they're out in the world of work and you know small mm. things which obviously to good friends which I'm lucky to have don't don't matter to them but obviously to me at the time I was immediately going to this worst case scenario and I think that's when all this anxiety and worry and stress and all this kind of just pressure really started 
Um, but as I say, I think at the time I, I just didn't didn't know much about mental health and I definitely didn't know how to deal with it. So yeah, I kind of was just in this headspace where I was like, well, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what to do. Yeah. So. Because I think when you're in school, you don't really get that support, do you? Like, well, you definitely didn't in mine. Um, I'm not sure about yours, but you don't have that what if. You don't have that sort of support pillar there that if you don't go to university, you may be thinking, oh, my, my friends. Because I was the same as you, Tom. I went to university mm-hmm. later on in life, though. I went at 25. Um, when I was finishing my A-levels, all my mates were going to uni. I wasn't. I was going to go and do an apprenticeship. or I didn't know that until like the last couple of days of year 13 at school. But there was no one there to sort of say, how are you feeling about that? There's no support, like, if you need anyone to speak to. And, yeah, you can understand why so many people probably feel that pressure. I can't can't imagine what it would be like nowadays as kids. Like, my little niece is coming up to finishing her school and going to college. But you think all the pressures of social media now, friends being able to do whatever they want, there must be so much more pressure on that individual. But what support is there? Is there any? I don't think think so. Uh, I know, I think it's, I mean, don't get me wrong, like I, I don't blame my school by any stretch of the imagination, but I know, I think I think a lot of schools these days kind of fall, fall foul to doing this, but, you know, it's always great for a school to be saying, oh, 98% of our year 13 have gone to universities, you know, 65% of our students who, who left school have gone to Russell Group universities, but, it's, but you know, but what, what about that 2% that aren't going to university? What, what about that 2% who want to go and do an apprenticeship, want to go and want to go and just get a job, want to go off and do a gap year, want to go off and explore the world and do their own thing and find their feet, you know? That 2% still counts, but sometimes you feel like you don't count. Because I remember at school, like, we'd have these sessions, I think maybe like once every two weeks, where we'd have, like, teachers helping us with our, like, writing our applications for uni and updating our CVs and, you know, doing the UCAS forms and all that sort of stuff. And I remember, because at the time I was like, no, no, I'm not going to uni. It was almost like, oh, well, you know, go and go and do whatever. I'm not really bothered, you know. And I think yeah. that, you know, and I, and I, I definitely, obviously they didn't mean for it to come across like that, but it definitely did. It was almost like, oh, well, because you're not going to, you know, you're not going to provide the school with, you know, fantastic graduation stats and, you know, going on to do university degrees, we're not really that bothered about you. And I think, you know, like you say as well, especially these days where it's quite, it's quite funny actually, because on Wednesday morning, I'm actually going back to my school to give a talk um, about, you know, about this really. Um, but, you know, I was speaking to one of my old teachers there and you know, obviously with all the stuff that's happened with COVID, he was saying, the lads that are about, to, well, not just the lads, but the entire year group that's about to go into year 13, you know, they they didn't take their GCSEs. It was all done on, you know, averages and all predicted grades. And, you know, they haven't done their AS levels. So they're going into year 13 to take what will be the biggest exams of their life next summer, having not had any practice, having no experience as to what it's like to kind of handle yeah. the pressure or to handle the time management when you're revising, you know, and it, I think as well, the kind of the uncertainty that a lot of their really formative years and exams, so, you know, the GCSEs, the AS levels, their futures have been out of their hands. You know, it's all been down to, as I say, averages and predicted grades. And it must, must be quite, um, it just must be so almost scary to know that you haven't at, the, at this stage in your life really been in charge of your future. And I think mm. that's quite, you know, when you, when you strip it right back, it, it, yeah, it just must be quite a weird and, as I say, worrying thing. Yeah, I couldn't imagine going in for my first proper exams 
at 17, 18 years old, having not gone through the whole GCSEs, A level, uh, AS levels. I, I, sh- I get so scared at exams. Even when I went to uni at 25, all the way through until I graduated at 29, no, 28. No, 29. Yes, 29. Because you're, you're, you're making that graduated. playlist. You're making that playlist in first year, so you failed your, your accounting yeah. exam. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, cheers. Thanks for reminding me, Sean. You want to be help- you're meant to be helping me here, mate. Um, but, yeah, I couldn't imagine. Like, I got so scared during those exams. And that's because I'd been out of exams since I was 18. So I can't imagine doing my first ones probably what since your sats in year nine, if they're even a thing anymore, yeah. or maybe your sats in year six. Like, God, yeah, I hate I exams. The pressure that's on them because you I, have one chance at them and, like, and that's it. I know, I know. The, the biggest thing for me when I was taking my exams was um, literally going from first year in uni where, you know, when you have like your multiple choices and stuff and then, <laughs> you know, yeah. actually move, moving into second and third year where actually, you know, you've got to give, you know, long detailed answers, write essays and stuff. And I remember at that point, I was like, there's no way I can finish this course. There's no way I can do this. I can't remember that much information. Um, yeah, and, and thing is as well, like I got so nervous of my exams at uni that I, well, uh, <laughs> in my second year, one of my first ever exams in the second year, I ended up having a panic attack and staring at the clock for about 45 minutes and um, mm. literally didn't, didn't write anything because I literally felt like I was going to die um and then yeah i mean my the i went to northumbria and they were make like mental health wise cut, like, cut above the rest with, with most of the unis that i've heard of people having experiences with but you know i, I was i was fortunate because i had sort of my exam conditions changed i was put in separate rooms and you know given um time allowances and you know was even full of stuff like um hand-ins on, on my coursework and stuff I'd be given extended deadlines or extra support and stuff. And that made all the difference for me because, you know, I think had I not had that, I think, I mean, I definitely wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't have even graduated to be honest. Mm. That's really good support though. Yeah. Yeah. So almost they took that pressure and that stress away on on those bits to to give you that control. And you ended up isolating yourself because of the, the rugby and then that spawned these issues that, I mean, like you just mentioned there, we're already... I suppose, in place maybe when you were 18 and, and a bit younger. Um, and then once you started speaking out, did you get closer back into the rugby team? Like how did the, I'm, like, I'm interested to find out how that rugby culture, like did they welcome you back? Were they quite open um, to, to having you back in or did you still refrain from that area of, of the uni? So I think as well, um, the good thing is when I kind of learn more about these mental health problems, it, I kind of looked back at, certainly my first year at uni and and kind of I had the opportunity to look back in hindsight and just kind of evaluate how I'd how I'd been and how I'd how I'd behaved and stuff and I think because in my first year as I think a lot of freshers will probably understand you know you want to you want to make a good impression you want to try and make friends you want to try and have a really wide pool of friends and you know meet as many people as possible because ultimately that's obviously one of the main aims of going to uni is meeting people from different backgrounds and you know ultimately you know broad broadening your perspective on things um but i think i mean at heart i like to think of myself i'm a i'm a, I'm a nice kind person i don't like conflict i like to think that i can be friends with anybody from any background but when i was with the rugby boys and especially when i'd be going out on a wednesday night for the sports night i would just turn into this fucking dickhead like yeah and i and i did that because i thought that's how they wanted me to be and i thought that's how 
I was going to make friends with them is just acting how stereotypical university rugby lads do. Yeah. You know, and I would wake up on a Thursday morning and just sit on the end of my bed and just cry because I was so embarrassed and ashamed at how I'd acted. And, you know, it's not necessarily because I'd said or done anything to offend or upset or be horrible to anybody, but it's more because I know that how I acted wasn't true to who the real Tom was. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it was, I almost had this bit of identity crisis where I felt like, you know, when I was on my own or when I was, when I was with people outside of the rugby sphere, I could be myself. But then mm. when I, you know, even if I like saw them walking down the street or crossed them in the university campus, I just felt like this, this, this switch would just flick and I'd turn into this like really just like laddie like dick who just wasn't mm. me. It wasn't who Tom was at heart. And I think, you know, having the opportunity to step away from that environment kind of made me realize that that's how I'd been. And also yep. I pushed, I pushed quite a few people away in my first year that probably looking back were, were just good people. Yep. Um, you know, so I think there was always that regret that, I felt like because I'd been in that environment and I'd become so blinded and blinkered by what it, what it was to be a rugby lad, you know, mm. I think, I think it kind of just, I think I felt that it was time to step away and time to, to just continue to try and be the best. It sounds cliche, but be the best version of the real me. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, so, yeah. you know, I, I think it would have been, you know, I, I, don't get me wrong. The lads that I played rugby with weren't bad guys at all. Like, we're not bad guys in the slightest, but I think obviously with the whole culture of rugby and how it's always been and, you know, how the stereotype is, I think people do try and play up to that. Um, yeah. So I don't, it wouldn't have been a case of if I'd gone back, would they have not accepted me? Because I know they would, but I felt like to keep moving forward on my journey and keep moving forward on, to, on my road to recovery I needed to just completely remove myself from that from that kind of environment yeah no, I think yeah. and I think that's a really important point you know I, I don't know if we have anyone at uni that listens to to this um to our man chat podcast but we had one of our friends on um who we lived with so similar to you Tom we lived in a house of I think it was eight or seven rugby boys um all together yeah. um from Cardiff uni and yeah. uh, one of them Fraser who came onto our podcast he was saying he was known as John Big Belly Man because he was he put on quite a bit of weight and he, he was quite a big guy. But even he said that, you know, like at the time when he looks back now, he was doing certain things to live up to the John Big Belly Man, but not actually Fraser Martin and, and what he actually wants yeah. to do and, and who he actually wants to be. And I think yeah. it, it comes with the territory, doesn't it? Like you say, you go to uni, you're, uh, you're, you're on your own as a lad, just trying to make your way and find out you know, who to stick with what you're supposed mm -hmm. to do and it is I suppose quite a scary looking back on it, it is quite a scary thing you literally you've gone from a nice home where you know your parents cook everything for you you've got loads mm -hmm. of space and then within 24 hours you're stuck in a room where you've got an ensuite toilet and a single bed and it's mm -hmm. all right mm -hmm. go and make friends and do all your learning and cook and yeah. clean and do everything yourself and then you're like okay so I've got to do that but then I've also got to try and like you say meet people go out of your comfort zone um, so I feel like that psychology of Know, people end up not really being who they are but do play up to the mm. crowd and I think you see that all the time in, in rugby groups um, I mean Huggy you were you were the social sec of the rugby club um, at Cardiff so I'm, I'm sure you saw a few boys that probably did a few things that uh, when you look back would probably not actually do them if they were being true to themselves. Uh, yeah you definitely saw examples of that and then on the flip side when I was then 
chairman in my last year, you saw another side of boys as well when you were looking from an, an outside perspective. But I think when when you're social sec, you are guilty yourself of making boys do do stuff. But that's because you, in your head, as social sec, think you have that power, when in reality mm-hmm. you don't have the power. The, if the person turns around and says, no, I don't want to do that, you go, okay, well, I'll, I'll try and I'll, I'll tell you one more time to do it. And if you say no again, then we'll stop. But I think, like Tom said, is it's that thinking that that's what the other person wants or that's what the team wants or that's what... And if you don't do it, you're then going to be kind of like outcast of the group. But, you know, I think it depends on the environment. It depends because there's, you know, a positive example of that is two of the lads that played for us, Christians, very strict of it, didn't drink alcohol, but still wanted to be a big part of the club. So we knew we never sort of pressured them into drinking even initiation we set up stations for them for non-alcoholic drinks and you know we we'd never ever ever push it on them but that's because they had i i would say they had the personality and the strength to tell us no this is me sent out from the start i don't drink it goes against what i believe in just leave it at that otherwise i won't come to socials but that's not what i want to do that i still want to be part of the club and they were a yeah. massive part of the club. Boys absolutely loved them. And to be fair, one of them got married last week. So Jenna, if you're listening, congratulations. Um, <laughs> and then, but likewise, if boys don't put that forward, if they haven't got the strength, but the ultimate question is, is how, how do you know? If, if you yeah. go into you, if you go into university as an 18 year old and you're mm-hmm. being shouted at by someone who's older than you, see off your drink fresher yeah, and yeah. you're just going to go, oh, uh, okay. And you're looking at all the other boys that are maybe seeing off their drink. You go, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's just the environment. It's the environment, but it is also the individual. You can you can do it, and you can't do it. Like we went yeah. and did a joint social with Bristol Uni, uh, and we would walk around picking their freshers to drink. Likewise, their social sex would pick our freshers to drink. Ours do it, drink it straight away. Bristol's would be like, no, I don't want to drink. You'd be like, no, drink it, and you'd be like, no, I don't want to. And then they'd call their social sec over and be like, I don't want to drink this, and the social sec would be, okay, no worries, don't worry about it. So it's yeah. a completely different environment. It's a different situation. But yeah, it's that yeah. psychology and having the identity, yeah. I suppose, of the group, isn't it? Like like you say, if, if everyone at Cardiff, if the expectation is everyone's going to drink, then they do. But yeah, that identity piece and how do we help more more lads like, like yourself, Tom, you know, find your identity sooner rather than later. And, you know, I suppose those lads who were, were Christians, they had that religion, right, to hold on to that. Like, this is me. I am affiliate myself with a, a Christianity. So therefore, I'm not going to do these. It already gives me those set of rules. Whereas sort of lads like ourselves, we don't have any rules built into us, really, do we? We, we go there and, and we're quite open. So, yeah, yeah, Tom, what would you say to sort of lads listening on, on how to find their, I suppose, identity and their, their true self? I think you've got to you've got to do what feels right ultimately i think i think you've 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 got to understand that if if something within you is telling you either you know stop doing something or don't do it then you need to listen to that because i think you know i, I think one of the you know one of the things and you know I, I, as i said I, I mean i look back and i i i wish that i could have not been involved with you know not been involved with certain things but like could have not done things or not you know not whatever you know we'll we'll have regrets at the end of the day um but i i think it's just important to understand that as well it's, it's talking from a rugby perspective in particular like it 
it, it, it's it's a fucking it's a uni rugby club. Like life is bigger than that. And I know, and don't get me wrong, I loved playing for Northumbria. I had great memories playing for Northumbria. I had great memories of socials, great memories with some of the boys, obviously, that will last a lifetime. But ultimately, you need to understand that your um, happiness and your fulfillment is more important than that. Mm-hmm. And I think if you if you're great. doing stuff, if you're doing stuff that makes you feel uncomfortable, if you're doing stuff that makes you feel wrong or makes you feel that you you shouldn't be doing it then you probably shouldn't be doing it you know you know i think you and i think common sense needs to come into play a little bit and i think we all just need to kind of you know we we all need to understand as well that just because something has been done a certain way for x amount of years doesn't mean that's the right way and it doesn't mean that that's the way that it should be continued to be Mm. you know and the the one of the reasons that i say that is because you know i i am sadly have known known guys that have, have, have gone to university and um, been a part of social clubs and been a part of rugby cl- uh, sports clubs and been a part of you know um, societies and stuff and um, have, have died unfortunately from um, well alcohol related deaths or, or you know or due to underlying health problems um, you know there was only a couple of years ago I remember I can't remember the the university but i remember reading about this poor chap who went on i think it was like a snow sports trip um from a university i can't remember the university either um but he you know was obviously drinking loads with his friends and stuff and then obviously i think he must have had some kind of underlying health problem but he he, he died and you know i think the point i'm trying to get across is obviously like your health happiness and your you know your overall well-being is more important than anything else so you need to just yeah. decide whether something's worth doing or something's worth you know taking a back seat definitely yeah i, I agree think, with that i think you touched it there like finding what makes you fulfilled and happy is, yeah. is it's tough right it's always changing as you move through life there's going to be things that, that you enjoyed at 18 that you don't enjoy now and, it, and it's moving but yeah it's important to understand as well you can say no like yeah and no one's going to judge you on that or if they do no. their their opinion is irrelevant like you, like you said the world is bigger i know i mean i remember little things as well like when we had our initiations when i was a freshman like little things like at the time i was suffering really bad with acne and um having seen a dermatologist like one of the things that really made my acne flare up was dairy products um so i was you know dairy free cheese dairy free milk and whatever and, and when our social sec told us to be at a certain location for our initiation they told us to bring a few items and two of which was a block of cheese and um a thing like a carton of milk and you know there's me literally sweating because i'm worrying so much I'm like, oh my god what am i going to do what am i going to do and i literally like built myself up for an hour to message the social sec and be like mate I, I i i can't eat dairy and i'm thinking he's going oh like, sh-. i thought you're we gonna go like, oh shut the fuck up fresher just bring it but actually he was like mate, that's fine he was like just bring he was like just bring lactose free milk and see if you can find lactose free cheese if not don't worry about it you know mm. ultimately mm. people just because people act a certain way in front of certain people doesn't mean that's who they are as a person and i think that's yeah. you know it's important to understand that you know it's, I think you know it's important to understand how certain situations and environments can potentially make you um, change as a person. And I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing, but for me, it was a bad thing. And I think it's just important to understand and and kind of, I suppose, find your own way of of, of 
putting yourself across if you know what I'm trying to say mm. yeah. yeah I think that's, that's great sharing hopefully that's useful for people that are you know entering uni and, and finding this way because yeah touching on a point earlier there isn't much support at, when you leave school right that bit between you've got your you've got your A-levels off you go and then you're in uni no one sort of gives you that that guide of how to do it and, and it does seem that most of, of the, you know most of the lads I knew and most of the ones you see at uni is through sport and then through drinking yeah. and initiations that you then create and, and it can lead to you know you ending up in a place where you're like well, who have I become in the space of two years I'm now an absolute you know yeah. raging drinker I, doing things that uh, I'm not I'm not enjoying hmm. I know and I think it is difficult though because when you're a fresher obviously and you're moving into halls it's again it is quite nerve-wracking knowing that you're going to be moving in with four or five other people in a flat not knowing who they are not knowing what their interests are what they're like as a person whether they're your kind of person whether you're their kind of person and I think you know I think naturally it is quite difficult because obviously if you if for some reason you don't get on with those who you live with or you don't see eye to eye or whatever it may be obviously I think that's when you kind of have to find other avenues to try and meet more like-minded people and I think you can Mm -hmm. become not dependent on them but you can definitely see them as your your only kind of outlet um until you can obviously pick in second and third year who you who little whatever who you live with or where you live and stuff so yeah it's it's you know like you say if you've if you're leaving school in june and then you you know you're going to university in end of august beginning of september you know it's it's a really short time to try and adjust your mindset to adjust your approach to adjust everything really so you know it's 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 a huge a huge moment so that was that was then and now like you said at the sort of middle of last year um you started up uh blokes isn't it is uh what you started do you want to tell us a little bit more about uh yeah what blokes is and, and what it does yeah so um the main kind of purpose of blokes is um we we kind of provide a, a safe and supportive online space where where guys who are 16 and over can they can sign up and create a free blokes account and they can join one of our well, one or more of our available forums where they can basically share stories, experiences, guidance, tips, things that they've things that they've gone through, things that have helped them, things that haven't helped them. Um, and it's, I like to position blokes as being the pillar between a man first coming to terms with his mental health and then actually maybe going on to get the help that he needs. And by mm-hmm. help that he needs, what I mean. No, I don't mean we just palm people off, but you know, obviously, you know, and I, you know, just on record, obviously, blokes is not a a medically professional service. We're very much, yeah. a, you know, we're we're an advice based platform, and obviously, there are so many fantastic mental health charities, organisations, there's GPs, there's the NHS, there's you know, so many more people who are more qualified, more knowledgeable about mental health than than myself. Um, but I think, you know, ultimately, being a guy, it's Sometimes it can be quite difficult to open up to friends and, and or it might be difficult to open up to your, your wife, your boyfriend, your your parents, your colleagues, whoever it may be. And I think blokes kinds of acts, acts as that, um, I suppose, the, the a space where a man can actually say, oh, you know, even if it's something as simple as, you know, they could be on the train back from work and they log on to blokes and they say, um, oh, I've, had a, I've had a really rough week at work I've you know I feel like I've not achieved anything or I've had an argument with my boss or you know I'm I'm not getting I've had an argument with my wife or my friend or whatever it may be and you know the idea is that nine times out of ten there will be a man on the platform as well that can 
um, empathize and understand with what mm. you you're going through. Um, and I mean, a, a good example is, and I always, I, I always use this example because I think it was such a nice, simple example was um, about four or five months ago, there was a guy who used the bloke's platform who said, um, oh, you know, I found myself getting into the habit of having a couple of bottles of beer every night and, you know, I'm, it's not helping with the waistline. It's obviously not a particularly healthy thing to do, we have a, you know. And um, he was like, and I want to try and get out of it before it becomes a bad habit. Um, and there was a guy who said, uh, you know, oh, mate, you know, I was going through the same thing a couple of months ago. But what I did was instead of buying, you know, a, a box of Corona with my, you know, weekly shop, what I actually do now is I'll buy a, a box of Coke Zero in glass bottles. So I'm still getting the sensation of having a drink in a glass bottle, but it's obviously yep. not not beer. And, you know, I'm not I'm not preaching that <laughs> Coke or Coke Zero is healthy, but, you know, it's, it probably in the yep. grand scheme is healthier than, than a beer yeah um, so that's kind of one facet of what we do and then and another key facet is obviously we have all of these brilliant brand ambassadors and stuff and um we kind of well we we work to deliver um mental health workshops and signposting sessions and events talks seminars um for all of kind of the clubs and organizations that we're partnered with um completely free of charge mm-hmm. um because i mean it's a a massive belief of mine that mental health support should be free and readily available for anyone and especially men who, who need it. Um, so yep. that's kind of the, the main purpose of blokes. Nice. Sounds yeah, fantastic. Great. Um, and I mean, yeah, to your point, I bet there's so many people out there that you, you just don't really know where to say, do you? I mean, sometimes I've had like a terrible week at work, but you, you know, try to speak to parents. They're both retired. And you're like, this isn't the right time to have that yeah. conversation. And sometimes you don't really want to talk about it with the people, you know, because they don't, like, they don't understand it. Um, and then that can, you know, for me, sometimes I get frustrated because I'm like, well, no, you don't get it. It's not, it's not like, it's not as easy as just try and work a little bit harder or something. And you're like, well, well yeah. where, where do you actually yeah. share that then? Because, you know, your partner yeah. might not understand the intricacies of the work that you do. you parents they don't actually understand what the job you actually do is <laughs> and you're like well yeah where, where can I share that yeah I think as well you know especially with the you know not saying that this is applicable to your parents but you know certainly you know I'm sure there are parents out there but I think mental health and the understanding and, and, and the comprehension of mental health is a very culturally different thing and quite a, a generational thing um yeah. you know I, I, and i think it's that's no it's not breaking news for me to say that but obviously you know the way that mental health was dealt with 50 years ago is much different to the way that mental health is portrayed and dealt with these days so yeah. you know i mean i've had it you know i've um had it in the past where you know I, i've probably spoke to my mom or dad and you know they've they've said something that they think is helpful but isn't helpful you know it could just be <laughs> yeah. like um it could just be like, oh, you know, just, just, and again, classic, oh, just cheer up, you know, don't worry, you know, you, yeah. you've got nothing to be worried, you've got nothing to be worried about, don't worry. And obviously they're just, they're trying to say that because they care. Yeah. But obviously it doesn't help to hear that at all because it's like, oh, do you know what? Do you know what? I will cheer up. That <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I didn't thought of that one. <laughs> yeah. I didn't oh, think yeah. of that. Yeah. <laughs> in, in terms of then other things and, and tips that you might have from the blokes platform um, to, to share with our, our listeners, um, I think that one about switching out the the beer for a coke zero or i've had a mate that switched it for um no low alcohol or no alcohol mm. alcohol free beers so you still get the taste but you don't actually have yeah. the, alcohol and, the alcohol and the extra calories but yeah what other tips have you have you had come through the the platform um 
I maybe think it's not it's not necessarily not necessarily tips that we've had but I think the one thing that I would say is, is really important and I think it's it's definitely been something that I've seen is if you give men the platform to be vulnerable and know that it's okay to be vulnerable then quite often they'll take it because it's mm. it's mm. it's very much like lifting a huge weight off their shoulders knowing that you know because if, if you put something out on on Twitter or something and you say oh you know I'm feeling a bit rough or whatever or I've had a bit of a rough couple of days or whatever you don't know the responses you're going to get right you know you whether that be you know whether you're going to be flooded with people saying oh you know going into your dms like, oh call me call me call me text you mate text me let's go let's do this let's do that you know and or whether you've got like dickhead trolls who are going to be like oh you know just you yeah. know, you're weak you're pathetic you're whatever the difference is obviously with blokes is everybody's there and everybody's on the platform for the same reason mm-hmm. um you know and don't get me wrong i, I understand that you know all it takes to sign up is an email address and a password so there very easily could be someone who decides to go on there and start trolling people but you know as somebody who monitors it myself you know if that was the case i can very easily just block and ban and whatever but i think it's and it's been it's been amazing to hear some of the stories that are on there i'm not going to go into them because obviously i don't want to you know ruin you know take away anyone's privacy but yeah um i mean some of the you know some of the, the the stuff that guys seem to be willing to talk about is amazing and you know mm. often you know you kind of think i think it's so easy to fall into the headspace of i'm the only one that knows what it's like to feel like this yeah and i think but when you actually realize and you log on and you see that there are actually no there's actually 10 20 30 40 50 guys who have had very similar experiences or you know have have gone through the same thing i think you take you can kind of come to the realization that you know you're not going through it alone and more importantly you don't have to struggle on your own because Mm. there are there are people who understand who care who want to try and change the stigma and change the conversation around men's mental health and so you know there's nothing to be embarrassed or ashamed about yeah, definitely. And and that was a similar message to Danny that we spoke to, wasn't it, yeah. Huggy? Um, he mentioned like just logging yeah. on and um, finding out that there's people that are thinking the same things as him, because yeah. to your point, he thought he was so isolated and unique in his thoughts that he was like, right, well, I must be going crazy. It must just be me. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, there's actually five other lads that are thinking exactly the same thing. Um, and, 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 you know, sort of helps relax the mind, doesn't we, it? Just makes it more normal. Yeah. And we found that since doing the podcast is we've had people reach out to us saying, oh, I didn't I didn't realize someone else was going through the same issues. And, you know, and that's what we always say is just even if we can help one person. And I suppose mm-hmm. that would be exactly like yourself. Tom, when you set up blokes, if you can just help one person, you've already made a difference. It's huge. Yeah. And the fact that you've got loads of members and they're all online and they talk to each other and they help each other. It's fantastic. And, I, and it's just credit to you for putting in the hard work and making sure that it's something that's grown. And now you're going back to your old school and you can tell them, you know, all about yeah. blokes. And maybe, you know, there might be a child in there that's in exactly the same position you were in at 18, thinking, oh, I wanted to go on a gap year, but there's no support for me. You, you, you can go there and actually show them, don't worry about it. There is support there or, you know, reach out to a friend, reach out to a parent and actually offer them that advice. Whereas you didn't have that at 18. And I, I just, yeah, I just think it's a great, it's a great thing that you're doing there. No, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Definitely. And we'll put the, uh, the link to the bloke sign up page as well in our, in, in the description. So if you're listening on, on Spotify or Apple, look for the, the description there and, and hopefully the link should be there if I'm technically capable of doing that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and just before we wrap up there, Tom, as well, uh, 
it's, it's going to become one of our staple questions, isn't it, Huggy? It's we, we want to yeah. find out from our, our speakers what is good mental health to you, and how do you define that? Um, I think good mental health is being comfortable in your own skin and being accepting as to who you are. Because I think, as, and again, as cliche as it sounds, you can't expect anybody else to accept you until you accept yourself. And you know, mm-hmm. I think we all we all have our strengths, we all have our weaknesses, we all have our you know our attributes and our, and our flaws. But I think ultimately, you know, I think sometimes you've got to be your, your, your own biggest fan, and I think you've got to put yourself first. Um, so f- for me, I, I definitely think um, learning to be more accepting of yourself before you expect others to be accepting of you is is what I would say is is good mental health. I think that's a fantastic. Yeah, I can agree with that more. Yeah. And, and to, to follow that one up then for any other of our listeners out there who maybe are struggling with accepting themselves or understand themselves or that fulfillment what advice would you have um, for them to, to start that journey honestly I think give yourself a break I think you know I think we we have so so many pressures in our lives whether that be school university work relationships money whatever it is I think we just need to take the time to actually give ourselves a break and allow ourselves to appreciate how far we've come and more importantly recognize the strength that it takes to to sometimes get out of bed every day because those small wins all add up to make to make a huge win and i think we all need to be proud of ourselves for you know for just just being us and just you know i think just just being who we are because ultimately whether we feel like it or whether we whether we don't we make somebody else's day better mm. Yeah, no, you're always your own worst critic, aren't you? So if you can exactly. cut yourself some slack, then everyone else, because realistically, no, no one gives it a second thought. But you see it maybe every day in the mirror. If you've maybe got that insecurity, you see it every day in the mirror. So you're always going to be hard on yourself. Someone probably hasn't exactly. even given it a second glance. But as soon as you've got it inside your head, that's it. You just run with it, and you always think yeah. the worst. Someone glances in your direction. Oh, they're oh, they're looking at it. Yeah. Whereas, Mate, it's, like you said, it's crazy. It's crazy. I, I remember. So I as I mentioned earlier, I suffered with my acne from about 18 to 20, 22, maybe. Um, and I always used to be so obviously very self-critical, very self-conscious, very self-aware. And it very much was like, if I saw somebody glance at me, I think, oh my God, they've seen a huge spot I've got on my cheek or on my forehead or, you know, or if I was going out for dinner with my missus, you know, I, and she was probably looking behind me to see if the waiter was coming, but I would think, Oh my God, she's looking at that big spot that's, you know, on my nose or around my mouth or whatever. And I'd be like, Oh, is it, is it that obvious? Is does it, does it really look that, that bad? And she'd be like, what, like, what are you on about? She, and I'd be like the spot you've just looked at. And she's like, I literally can't notice anything. And don't get me wrong. I know she's probably saying that at the time to be nice and not make me feel self-conscious, but as you say, when you look at you, when you look at yourself in the mirror every day, you obviously notice it probably more than other people do. So, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely, we do like to try and magnify our insecurities so that they become this mm. massive thing. To your point, like I used to be quite sporty as a kid; it'd be exactly the same, and then that like, people wouldn't even actually notice it. But you've spent no. the last like two hours before school being like, "Well, what am I going to do? Like, am I going to yeah. <laughs> like you know, we don't have makeup, we don't have concealer. What are we going to do?" Um, yeah. So. Yeah, with you on that I think that's so yeah all the lads listening make sure to take a little break from yeah from that self-critical and you know find out what what does make you happy and just be proud like you say getting out of the bed every morning I I do this thing every day where where we go live and I attitude of gratitude I call it I stole that from 
uh, another speaker, but just having that, what am I thankful for today? You know, what am I yeah. really going to enjoy? And, and sometimes it is just, I've got out of bed today. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that's a fantastic message. Yeah, agreed. Um, so yeah. Thank you very much, Tom. Um, yeah, it's been thanks, an absolute Tom. pleasure um, to spend this time no. with you and, and uh, yeah, to listen and to sort of question you a little bit more. And hopefully um, our, our listeners have got a lot out of that as well. Um, so from our special interview guest, uh, thank you very much, Tom. No, Thanks, thank you, Tom. boys. Cheers, mate. Thank you.